Hello, and welcome to Rewire. Whether you are a baby boomer or baby zoomer, a millennial or an elder ally, enjoying retirement or planning ahead, this show provides you with information and inspiration to help you live your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess Dale. June is Pride Month in the United States and around the world. Pride, formerly known as Gay Pride, is a recognition of LGBTQ plus identity, affirmation of equal rights, and a celebration of visibility, dignity, and diversity. Pride Month is a great time for each of us to renew and improve our understanding of terminology around the LGBTQ identity. So our guests later today in the podcast are going to join me to do just that. This may be our 13th episode, but it is June 14th, and she's a grand old flag. She's a high-flying flag. Yes, it is Flag Day in the United States, because on June 14th, 1777, by resolution of the Second Continental Congress, we adopted our Stars and Stripes. Now, if we move back two days to June 12th, on that day in 1967, the United States Supreme Court declared all state laws prohibiting interracial marriage to be unconstitutional. This is because of the case Loving versus Virginia that was brought forth by Richard Loving, a white male, and his wife Mildred, who was African-American and Native American. The pair had previously been sentenced to a year in prison in Virginia for that marriage. However, Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy and the ACLU intervened, taking it to the Supreme Court, and hence we have June 12th as National Loving Day. Now, I already told you today's date is the 14th, so it's perfect if you're listening today because it is also National New Mexico Day. Yay! Love being here in the land of enchantment, which is the 47th state of our union. And then I have one of those little goofy things you often hear about. You know you're from New Mexico if. So here are a few that might help you as a resident of the land of enchantment or those of you who are listening outside of New Mexico. You know you're from New Mexico if you either have been or know someone who has been abducted by aliens or most restaurants you go to begin with El or Los. Tumbleweeds and cacti in your lawn are not weeds, they are your lawn. And when someone talks about Las Vegas, you think of the small town in the northeastern part of the state and not the big city in Nevada. And finally, you know you're from New Mexico if you know what it means when the waitress asks red or green. And with a valid ID for this state, New Mexico residents will have free access today to all 35 state parks, eight state-operated museums, and seven historic sites. Go and celebrate. As I said earlier, June being Pride Recognition Month, my two guests for the show are here to help raise our awareness about LGBTQ 
identity and equal rights and visibility and languaging. So it is with pride that I introduce Dr. Joey Long, Public Information Officer for the Aging and Long-Term Services Department here in New Mexico, and Jess Jones, Founder and Director of Jess Jones Education and Consulting Firm. Welcome. My first guest is Dr. Joey Long, the Public Information Officer from Aging Long-Term Services Department, and Jess Jones, the Founder and Director of Jess Jones Education and Consulting Firm. Let's start with Dr. Joey. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Duchess. Thanks for having us on. So excited about this podcast. So I'm Joey, and I'm the Public Information Officer for Aging and Long-Term Services, as you said. And so what a Public Information Officer, or PIO, so you'll hear this acronym sometimes. We love our acronyms at state government. PIOs facilitate communication between organizations and the public. That can be through social media, through typical media channels like TV, radio, press releases, those sorts of things. But basically, we exist to let the public know what we do at Aging and Long-Term or any other institution. Great. And in a little while, I'm going to ask how that applies to our topic and theme for today. But let's move on over to Jess. Jess, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Absolutely. Good morning, Duchess. Thank you so much for having me today. My name is Jess Jones. My pronouns are they, them, and I am the founder and director of Jess Jones Education and Consulting. Jess Jones Education and Consulting is an initiative that I founded after many years spent as a high school English teacher. In my role in that, I realized that our schools, our families, and communities have a huge need for learning and education around LGBTQ topics. There's just so much information that we just don't know, right? So in my role, I do workshops and education and training around really everything LGBTQ. Oh, that is going to be not only obviously topical for June, Pride Month, and there is so much that I think our listeners, and I know personally, I want to learn and know and understand to be able to talk about this appropriately. And my guests today are probably giggling because before we started to record this, I already felt foolish in my lack of expertise in using the correct pronouns. So I think that that's one thing that maybe older adults don't understand as well, how to use that when engaging in conversation so that it's appropriate and user-friendly. That being said, so I heard and know that both of you use the pronouns they, them, and I lean towards she and they, and I'm not even sure if I'm using that correctly. Jess, could could we jump to that right now and talk about how does one use pronouns in a conversation correctly? Absolutely. With pronouns, it's very tricky, especially for those of us who may be older adults, because as a former high school English teacher, I'm very (laughs) familiar with the fact that most of us had it beaten over our heads that they, them is always plural, never singular, right? Yes. I will make a confession on this podcast that I have taken (gasps) off many points off of students' papers over the years for students who use they singularly. 
And look at me now. I use them <laughs> pronouns to refer to myself. So <laughs> jokes on me. Because of that, because our brains have been wired to think of they, them as always plural, there's a bit of unlearning that we need to do around pronouns. And it can be very tricky because I know of these challenges and barriers that many of us have to using pronouns correctly, whether it's they, them, or you find yourself in a situation where you're really not sure what pronoun someone uses. That's a, a common challenge. So I created a course called Perfect Pronouns in 30 Days. Ooh, sign me up because I need to know how to do this. <laughs> and I think you're right. We do have the inculcation of our training, our conditioning, our education that did teach us that. And if anyone else was a good little girl in school, you learn these things. <laughs> pronouns are important. Looking around, I don't see anyone talking about how to do that. That's where the work I do comes mm -hmm. in. I have on my website, I actually have a pronoun etiquette guide. Or if you're interested in any kind of education or workshops, you can reach me and my services at www.jessjoneseducation.com. Great. Joey, can you add in on this? How does that information impact the work you do at Aging and Long-Term Services and particularly within the LGBTQT population for older adults? I think particularly the reason that I wanted to invite Jess on this morning was because I think sometimes we have a lot of shame in not knowing things that we think we should know or we feel like, oh no, if I admit that I don't know this, someone will think I'm a bigot or someone will think right. I'm doing this maliciously. So that's why I thought, you know, giving people an opportunity to say, hey, here's a resource instead of you're a bad ally or something, right? But here's a way that you could find out more if you're curious and you want to learn. And I think that's very in line with what both Jess and I do personally and professionally. In terms of aging long-term, one of the things that, you know, because I'm biased as a queer person, but one of the things that I would really like us try to get better with is outreach to our like LGBTQ elders. Yes. And we have a lot of older adults who maybe are queer and don't have the same sort of resources that some of younger folks have or heterosexual people their age may not have access to. That's one of the things that I would like to have us improve on. We all age. As I said, I was fumbling before the interview because I didn't want to sound like an ignorant or a bad ally. And I know that there are other people who just don't know. It is, in a way, an ignorance that we weren't educated in this way. I know that I've done that in public situations, either with my barista or something. And sometimes that person is really okay with it and kind of helps me through it, talks me through it. Sometimes they do get offended. So I think for me, I start to shut down. I don't say anything. So I love the fact that we have a chance to rewire. Oh, did I just plug myself? Rewire our thinking, our training, and our conditioning so that we are good allies. And particularly, as Joey and I know, for the older population that may be struggling with this, whether they are straight or, or LGBTQT. So what might either of you want to recommend? What else can we know? Can someone explain non-binary to me? Non-binary is a word that is new to many people. 
Non-binary is essentially a term that is used to describe anyone who doesn't identify entirely as a man or entirely as a woman. So in essence, it's a really broad umbrella term that encompasses Mm. all those folks. So that could be folks whose gender identity maybe shifts, like maybe it's a fluid gender identity. Maybe they feel both masculine and feminine at the same time. So really, it's a big, broad, gray area. Uh, In essence, non-binary is just anyone who doesn't identify 100% as a man or 100% as a woman. How does one, (laughs) if you're interacting with people in a social situation or a work environment, and you're in a non-binary day, how does one express that in public situations so that it is supportive for the person? So I think one of the things that I've really become aware of, and, you know, I studied communication, is that we use so many gendered terms in everyday language for a variety of things, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many of our compliments or ways of interacting with each other are so gendered. And so one of the ways that even if you don't know if somebody's having like, you know, a more masculine or feminine day is to not use like some gendered compliments like, oh, you go girl, right? So rethinking the ways that we talk to each other to try to reduce some of the gendered language that we already use. That's been helpful for me in the workplace. I think that that's even trickier for those of us who are educated allies because we have those cliches and phrases that we've used for decades and we don't mean anything by it. The one that I use a lot, which you both might correct me on, is you guys what do you think about this, you guys? It doesn't matter whether I'm really looking at male or female when I say that. For me, quote, end quote, you guys just became a phrase that kind of meant y'all. I used to use y'all because my family was Southern, you know, but that people thought was weird. So it became, oh, you guys want to go get a a burger? Is that inappropriate now? Y'all is gender neutral, just FYI. Living in the South for some years, it became my favorite gender neutral. You've made my whole family lineage very happy. Thank you. Okay, so y'all tell me, is using you guys inappropriate? I would refrain from using you guys because as you noted, it is a gendered term. And as you also noted, but it's not coming from a malicious place. Most of us use those types of terms without the intent of gendering people. However, folks on the receiving end of that are perhaps going to feel very differently. And Mm -hmm. I know, you know, as people who care about others and don't want to cause harm and hurt, you know, it helps to refrain from using gendered language. So that way we're ensuring that we're not hurting people unintentionally. So maybe if somebody doesn't intend to be harmful, that doesn't mean somebody won't take it harmfully. Yeah, say more to intent versus effect, because I think it's applicable here in, in languaging. But to me, that's a really big topic about just engaging with one another on the human planet. So with intent, I try to navigate things with the assumption that people have good intent. I want to think that people that I interact with are not out to get me or trying to harm me. So the belief that we are all good people that are looking out for each other, right? So when people use the wrong pronouns for me or they use gendered language that is hurtful to me, 
I assume that it's coming from a good place, that they didn't do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't understand my gender. Maybe they don't have the right language to describe me. Maybe they took my English class many years ago when I taught (laughs) not to use singular (laughs) them. Yes. (laughs) There's so many reasons why people make mistakes that aren't a malicious act or something that I'm choosing to take personally. However, This truth exists at the same time that regardless of that good intent, harm can also be caused, like the impact. So just because someone has good intentions doesn't mean that they're not going to cause harm. And in some ways, that's just the state of being human. We all make mistakes. We all get it wrong, no matter how great of an ally you are. Like you're going to get it wrong, no matter how great your intentions are. I always encourage folks to focus on accountability. So when you do make a mistake, regardless of your good intentions, and someone says, ouch, actually, that language you used didn't feel good to me. Uh, Instead of like getting defensive and saying, oh, I didn't mean any harm. I didn't mean to hurt you. It's like, oh, I see you as a person. And because I care about you as another human being, I'm going to apologize and learn and do better next time. Because the impact doesn't always align with the intent that you have. Correct. I think that's, as I said, it's a bigger topic more than just the languaging. I think that is a desire, an ideal to have people be accountable for themselves would be really good across the board, including in language. And I was thinking, well, is there a way, like, you remember how in, when we were in school and we we learned how to drive, there used to be a sign on the car that said driver in training I feel like I want to walk around with a sign that says ally in training so that people can introduce themselves to me and feel that they can hold me accountable. Love that. Yeah. I think there's some like humility in that. And I, I think it's something that we we're all drivers in training. Right? <laughs> How cool would that be if we walked around with that humility of I'm not going to claim to know it all. I think sometimes what happens is maybe somebody gets misgendered by somebody who's well-meaning, but it's the 27th time it's happened that day. And someone's like, I can't, right? It's like, you know, if one thing, we call them microaggressions. So if one thing happens, you're like, okay, not the end of the world. But if it's, you know, it's been 27 times and somebody's, oh, hey, ma'am over there. And you're like, oh my God, I'm not a ma'am. It may not be about that actual person's interaction, but it may be the culminated effect. Um, all of those interactions. You just said, Joey, something about ma'am. I remember that as I got older, when someone called me ma'am, I was offended by that because ma'am always meant my grandmother or mother, someone older, older, older. (laughs) So if we can evolve the humility and the accountability as we interact, I think that might help expand this knowledge and compassion. I know that we were just talking about accountability and if someone helps to correct us, I know that a lot of people don't like, for example, grammar police. If in a social conversation and you use grammar incorrectly and someone corrects you, it can be awkward at at the low end and offensive on the high end. So I'm not sure how people feel knowing that they're going to be corrected about what we just talked about, the decades of training and conditioning of using he, she, they, 
ma'am, sir, etc. So a lot of it depends on the social context. There's a number of ways to correct other people depending on your relationship with them. Sometimes it might be a situation where you interject while someone's talking and just say like, oh, that person uses he. You know, as the person who's made the mistake, you can just say like, oh, thank you and just change your language and continue talking with the right pronouns. If it's a more delicate social situation, sometimes what's better is to pull the person aside later and have a conversation with them one-on-one. And just, I love the compliment sandwich where you affirm, hey, I know that you really care about, you know, not hurting people. I know you care about people, you know, say something complimentary in that sort of way and then Mm -hmm. offer the correction. I noticed that you use she to refer to this person, but actually that person now uses he just see how that lands for that person. In my experience, people are usually pretty gracious when you offer it in that kind of way versus the attack of how dare you use the wrong pronoun, you know, which is valid too. Because sometimes like Joey noted, like sometimes trans people, you know, it's so draining on us to have to deal with this every single day. So sometimes we get upset and that's valid. But most of the time, you know, those conversations can go very smoothly in a way that I feel builds relationship versus erodes it. Also building on your established relationships with people, right? If you make yourself a person that other people feel safe and comfortable with, then folks are willing to be themselves around you, right? And so I think it's a little easier if you have an established relationship with somebody. So Joey is a chosen name for me. And that was a shift. And some people it was easier than not. But with people who I wasn't sure how they'd take it, but I knew that they cared about me. I felt less anxious about it, being able to do it in these ways that are caring instead of very reactive, which also is valid. I like the sandwich idea. And I also like just taking someone aside so that it isn't it's not violent. You know, if they make the mistake and then you correct them, then you've got a different conflict going on other than just correcting ignorance. I'm loving the fact that Jess is out in the world doing that about the non-binary languaging so that we can learn. Before we wrap it up, because it is Pride Month, and now we all have some new information to try out in our interactions this month, is there anything that either of you would like to add about How to integrate this. I'll start and then Jess can sort of wrap up if that works for them. I think it's important too for folks who are like, what is pride? What, where did this come from? Why is everything rainbows in June, right? No, so the modern era of pride is sort of marked by the Stonewall riots, which was June 28th, 1969. And trans women of color in particular and other queer folks were fighting back against police raids that were happening in queer bars. It was not the first or the only, but it was sort of the one that people often mark as the modern era of pride. And then that was followed by a march in Manhattan in 1970. And then in 2000, Gay and Lesbian Pride Month was established. And then in 2009, which is most notably, I think, where this kick in current times happened was with when President Obama started LGBT Pride Month, an official declaration. And I think it's also important to note that Pride is about more than love. So often we hear the whole love is love, which, yes, it's great, important, valid. And Pride is also resistance, resilience, like insistence, right? We are still here as queer people, despite 
everything that's going on, particularly now with the anti-trans and queer legislation going across the country. We're fortunate enough to have Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham here, who has really worked to make sure that queer and trans folks are protected in this state. So much so that New Mexico has recently been labeled as a refuge state for trans folks. Just one of the things that makes me really glad to get to work for this state and this administration and to continue doing this effort so that folks feel like they can be themselves here in New Mexico. I'm proud of that, too. (laughs) Jess, would you like to add anything? Thank you for sharing that history, Joey. I think it's so important for folks to know that queer and trans folks have always been here before 1969 even. You know, there's evidence of transgender people existing as far back as, you know, like ancient Egypt. And that's just so cool. When you start looking at those queer and trans histories, like there's just so much robust, beautiful history and ancestry there that really makes my heart full. So I'd encourage folks to listen and pay attention to those stories this month and honestly all year because there's so much that we don't know. So use this month and the spotlight that's put on the LGBTQ community as an opportunity to learn and grow regardless of what feelings you personally might hold about our community. There's a lot of resources out there, lots of folks who are out here doing education work, including myself, who are happy to help you understand these things that we weren't taught in school. There's so much we weren't taught in school, and and there's so much not being taught in school. I think maybe that's one of the episodes we have in the future, which is, let's have the hard conversations. Let's ask the awkward questions. I asked a few today, and I fumbled and stumbled my way through it, and yet I know that there are questions that I have or old conditioning things that need to be rewired so that I can function in today's community as a whole loving being. Thank you both for being here today. I am grateful as we move forward in this month of pride. Happy pride. Thank you, Duchess. Rewire with Duchess Dale offers information and inspirational support as you reinvent and rewire your life. Sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. For more information, call 1-800-432-2080 or send an email to yourliferewired at gmail.com. Thank you. As I mentioned in an earlier podcast, June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month. And I want this space and place called Rewire to be a place where we can talk about informational stuff and fun stuff, and we can discuss the tough stuff. So I need to bring your attention to June 15th is United Nations World Elder Abuse Day. Did you know that around one in six people aged 60 and up experienced some form of abuse in community settings throughout the past year? Rates of elder abuse are very high in institutions such as a nursing home or long-term care facility and with unbelievably two in three staff members reporting that they have committed abuse in these situations. So if you suspect 
an adult is being abused, neglected, or exploited, or if you yourself are being abused, neglected, or exploited, you can start with the Aging and Long-Term Services Department toll-free number for information and support, 1-800-432-2080. Or you could also call the toll-free number for Adult Protective Services, 1-866-654-3219. I will repeat both numbers because it's really important. The ALTSD is one 800 432-2080, that is for the state of New Mexico, and the Adult Protective Services, 1-866-654-3219. It's really important that we stay educated about this information so that we can be of support where and when it's needed. Thank you. As Pride continues its celebrations around the world, this is a great time to become more educated about using this perhaps new or unfamiliar language. Because as the LGBTQ community changes, the world changes around it, as does the vocabulary we use change. And in case you didn't know, LGBTQIA stands for L, lesbian, G, gay, B, bisexual, T, transgender, Q, queer, I, intersex, A, asexual, and the plus sign symbolizes other gender or sexual identities that are not already included, such as being pansexual or gender fluid. So if you're interested in learning more about the languaging, consider contacting our guest, Jess Jones, at the website jessjoneseducation.com or for more information about the LGBTQIA plus community, please go to the website, thetrevorproject.org, T-H-E-T-R-E-V-O-R-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org. Until we meet again, stay recommitted, reconnected, and rewire. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is sponsored by the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico. On your favorite streaming platform, subscribe or follow to receive a reminder of new episodes. You can also share this free podcast with family and friends. Our music was written and sung by New Mexico's Lydia Clark. I'm your announcer, Don Converse. Till next time, remember to reconnect, recommit, and rewire.